0: when you start creating distance between yourself and your tasks and your goals. It's the usual thing where you say, well, I'm gonna do this, but no one cares. No one's gonna look at this, right? This project is stupid. When you start seeing that type of thing in yourself or in your colleagues, that's cynicism. That's the actual name that we use for that. Um, and and that, that correlates really, really highly with burnout. And the fourth one is depersonalization, which is something very similar to cynicism, but relating to Uh, interpersonal relationships. And so this is when you start seeing people around you within the uh, workplace, seeing people around you as a drain on your energy and not an energy source.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm speaking with Francisco Mendez, COO and co-founder of Yobo, a HR platform focused on building solutions that improve the well-being of organizations around mental health, productivity, culture and happiness in the workplace. In this episode, we talk extensively about mental health and burnout, especially in tech, what it actually means for us, ways we can identify if we're suffering from burnout, solutions to dealing with it, the impacts of COVID, and also the fascinating insights they gain from their survey of thousands of tech workers around this important issue and much more. Seriously, this was a awesome conversation to have, I think if you're suffering from any of these types of symptoms or you feel something doesn't feel right or if you notice anyone in your in your workplace or if you have friends that are not really being the best selves that they can be, I think this episode is definitely for you or them so please share it and if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on all platforms. It helps bring more content like this to your ears and helps us engage in insightful conversations so you can keep learning and being better every day. So with that, I hope you enjoy this insightful conversation with Francisco Mendez. So I want to read out a particular blurb that I sort of found on an important study that was conducted on uh, tech burnout. And I want to read it out to you. So a study of more than 36,200 IT professionals across 33 countries by a mental well-being platform found that two in five workers are at a high risk of burnout, prompted by longer hours, more rewarding workloads, and conflicts in work-life balance. Likewise, 42% of IT workers who are facing high levels of burnout are considering quitting their company in the next six months, while 62% of IT professionals report being physically and emotionally drained. So there's two parts of that that I wanted to talk about. The first one was that this is incredible. Like the stats are crazy to figure out. This is how many people are actually suffering from this type of burnout. But the second thing, this uh, study was conducted by you guys. Uh, I didn't mention out the name, but uh, it's really interesting to see the number of people that you surveyed. What was your thoughts on that? How did you go about executing this survey and what were some of the insights that you gained?
0: Yeah. Uh, so th- thanks for saying that. It, it, it was a, a lot of work, but um, it actually um, was was way over our expectations, our initial expectations. So we launched the the Burnout Index, which is the free tool um, the, that you can that you can any any of your listeners can can go through and, and take the self assessment. We launched it back in 2020. At the start of the pandemic, we we had an idea. We're we're Yerbo. That's that's the, the the company that I co- co-founded, and uh we we have the uh, we had at that point an idea of creating a tool that would allow digital workers, starting with tech um, and IT professionals, um, and helping them to prevent burnout and to create well-being. To use well-being best practices in a way that would lead for them to have high productivity. We all need that, but uh together with with uh well being and not and not being a driven uh, and trying to prevent these folks from being driven into burnout and um so we did it for twenty twenty and we were very much focused on creating our own tool so we had this um free tool where that we use basically to guard the interests of folks over out there in terms of if they wanted to raise their self awareness of burnout and so we we created a tool we use uh, protocols that are validated. We use, in, in, in case uh, folks that are listening are interested, we use a variation of Maslach's burnout inventory, which is like the, the the main um instrument that's used to measure burnout risk. And that's something that's actually important for us to mention here, uh Barry, which has to do with the fact that we're not actually measuring burnout. Okay, so if you want to actually uh, say that someone is facing burnout, that needs to be diagnosed by a medical doctor. They need to, to. So, what we're measuring is a proxy um, that allows us to measure burnout risk. But this is validated protocols um, they're, that they are based on the work of Maslach and, and also Salanova. So, just, to, just to, for folks to know that um, it's not a diagnosis, but it is an indication that you might be uh, heading towards burnout if your burnout risk
1: is high. So, I think it's really important to acknowledge that one you're building out an index to really capture the sort of um, sentiment from all of these workers that are really experiencing this type of um, you know potential burnout you know obviously it hasn't been diagnosed yet but they're feeling something isn't right right and for a lot of people including myself in the past I've experienced uh, some of the symptoms associated with potential burnout but before we sort of get into that, why don't we just sort of define what burnout actually is? Because I think there's burnout in, you know, and and I think a lot of jobs will experience burnout, you know, not just tech, everyone, if you're in banking or finance, there is a level of overworking and you can really suffer from uh, both physical and mental consequences from that. But within the sort of the context of just burnout itself, how do you define burnout? um, and, And what does that mean to you?
0: Yeah. So uh, burnout, uh, technically, and according to the World Health Organization, is it, basically chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Okay. So this is, this is what it means. This is the, the syndrome's description by the World Health Organization. So basically what, what it, what, uh, what it means for us and what we can say in layman's terms is whenever you, you are facing a certain level of demands in, in, in at at your work. And this doesn't need, so this is not just exhaustion. So burnouts, and maybe that's a good way to start. So uh, burnout is not just exhaustion, and it's just not being, feeling tired. And it's not something um, that you, that you come back from with a couple of days off, or even a week off. Okay. We actually can talk about, um, how, um, off time and vacation time plays into, into burnout recovery, but it's not something that you recover from that quickly. Why? Because this is something that happens when you face a sustained tension. So when you are exposed to work-related stress for uh, a period of time, you may fall into this uh, syndrome and you start feeling uh, burned out. So we use burned out as as the the, the image of uh, when when you light a match and and the match burns out, then it's no longer useful. And, And that's basically the The idea that we're trying to convey, uh, that the the academia is trying to convey with this picture is that once you burn out, it's it's really hard for you to come back. And it's something that can take even years for you to recover if you're fully recovering. So burnout, it's important that we distinguish it from just feeling exhausted because exhaustion is one of the factors of burnout, but it's just one of four factors and we can talk about that as well. Um, And so usually when you face burnout, you have been exhausted for a while. But it's even possible for you to experience burnout and not feel physically exhausted. Um, Usually you can feel physical, you will feel physical exhaustion, but also emotional and even cognitive exhaustion, especially for tech workers and um, digital workers in general. Uh, Cognitive exhaustion is something that we may be facing um, quite often, in particular, And we can talk about that in particular. Tech folks, those that work in IT security and all that, they have high uh, risk of experiencing um, mental and emotional um, stress on top of physical stress as well.
1: Yeah, because I think it's important to stress that when you are burnt out, one, it's not just because you're exhausted or tired, but there is definitely a mental aspect of that as well, in the sense that you are under tremendous amount of stress, perhaps an, an immense amount of pressure as well to meet deadlines, to uh, work over hours, over time um, in your job and really figure out, understand that you're really putting a lot of your energy and effort into one single uh, task. And that might be you know, delivering something or whatever it may be. And so you don't really have that nice balance between on and off time. And obviously there are a lot of companies that unfortunately have that sort of um, you know, environment because of the demands of the workload, Whether especially if you're on a startup, you definitely mm-hmm. want to be able to grow very quickly. But at the same time, I think there is that element of how do you treat that? How do you even acknowledge yeah. that you have burnout? If you're sort of go, go, go all the time, what are some of the ways, you mentioned a couple of factors, what are some of the ways that you can sort of start to at least be self-aware that something yeah. is, doesn't feel right? How do you identify that?
0: Well, um, I would say that we're what you're doing here is, is, is a great way to help folks. So the fact that you're talking about this and that you have invited me to come and, and, and talk about this um, is, is, a, is a great way to raise awareness. So I think that's the first step, and that's why we created the Burnout Index, because we wanted to offer folks a quick and easy and free way, an anonymous way. We, we capture only anonymized aggregate data. We don't have a way to identify you. Uh, we don't ask for your email, etc. Why? Because we want to create this safe space where folks can go and they can start to understand a little bit more about how they feel and can also um, have a shared language a shared, in terms of what, what we just mentioned, that exhaustion is not burnout. It's not just that. You need to understand what exhaustion means within the workplace. You need to, to understand the other factors of burnout. And so the first step would be self-awareness. So that's, that's what we invite you to do. You can take our assessment. You can take multiple others assessments. Um, and, 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 and once you do, you'll, you'll get your own, you'll get a picture of how you're feeling. And hopefully that assessment will also guide, uh, at least give you some insights into what you should do to try and recover. So that being said, after you work on, on self-awareness, it's important that you try and, 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 and bring this up within the workplace if it's possible. And I understand that not all of us will feel psychologically safe um, in the place that we work at. Uh, sometimes we don't have the most, um, the most, uh, say, comprehensive of, a, let's say, the most tolerant uh, workplace. Or as you mentioned, there are some places that are actually, um, there are actually, let's say, burnout factories even where the pressure is, is 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 at such a level and, and 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 that's something that usually it's hard to change from, from an individual perspective but it's important that at least you try and, and and if you can look out for peers if you see that someone might be struggling reach out try and make it clear within your sphere of influence that it's okay to talk about these issues that it's okay to feel um do not feel okay. That's 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 something that I believe the pandemic has helped in terms of bringing awareness to this and making it more, um, let's say, more more uh, in such a way. I, th- I think that what what I've seen and, and and I live in Colombia, which is a particular macho type of culture, and uh, I'm from Portugal, which isn't uh, the, the most progressive, even if it's uh, better now than, than when I left. Um, and, and and it was unthinkable when I started working. Uh, back in 2009, it was unthinkable to raise your voice within the office and say that you're facing some mental health issue or that you feel like that that's too stressful, etc. No, you were you were just thankful that you had a job and 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 you kept your head down and and you did what you needed to do. And and you know what? If you weren't too satisfied, you just started looking for another job and you would move. Right? That has changed, and the new generation clearly has different expectations from what my generation had. And so I think that, if I can say so, I think that my generation and generations um, that came before us have a responsibility to not pass that type of bad uh, the, the, uh, work practices and anti-patterns that we usually had where it was almost a badge of honor to say that you work 15 hours a day or that you, you haven't had a weekend or uh, uh, however long. And, and so that's something that you don't see as much now. And that doesn't mean that folks don't want to be super productive and that doesn't mean that folks don't want to, to achieve awesome things. Definitely they do. But I think they're more aware that you need to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're going to break. And if you break, it's going to be way, way harder for you to get back on your feet and start working again again and, and, and being productive.
1: Yeah, so that is interesting because there is that mentality of like, if I work 80 80- hundred hours a week, then I'm more productive than you. And I'm getting more shit done than you. And I feel that and it doesn't matter how it affects me there, but it doesn't matter because there's a status associated with that. And mm-hmm. I think that needs to kind of change. And then you mentioned, obviously the types of demographics that are sort of uh, really showcasing that and really proponents of that. But, you know, it does lead to a lot of breakdowns, and yeah. there was a lot of commentary on Twitter and just from um, on LinkedIn and social about some of their, some of founders and their workers are really suffering from nervous breakdowns because of the type of work they're involved in, but also just pushing themselves. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should you shouldn't work hard. You definitely should work hard, but mm-hmm. definitely with balance as well. And so sort of coming back to that self-awareness part of it, that's really important. But I also find that personally, you know, in the past, when I have sort of suffered stints of exhaustion and burnout, is that it I notice it affects other parts of my life. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm sort of going gung ho at work, full 100% full gas, when I'm at home or when I'm at uh, certain social events, I can feel my demeanor change a little bit. I am probably not as socialized as I should be. My relationships. Are strained because of that. uh, With my partner, with my family, with my friends, is that a a signal that something doesn't seem right? When you've, when maybe you get feedback from, and maybe it's something that we should tell people about. If you notice that you've, you're seeing your friends and your uh, co-workers and your family behave in a very unusual way, uh, it probably is a sign that something's happening uh, in their work or something that. You know they're probably pushing themselves too much. Is that another factor to consider?
0: Oh yes, definitely. So what you're describing is 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 a common consequence of of burnout. So um, maybe maybe we can talk about the four factors of burnout, and then I'll, I'll 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 explain how I think they relate to to what you were just describing, which is a very very uh, common situation. So burnout uh, and 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 its risk can be measured by four different factors. So one is exhaustion, which is the one that we most associate with with uh, burnout, right? And it's actually the one that's more prevalent. So that's the one that's more most present within digital workers. Then we have three other factors, okay? So exhaustion is one. And we actually have, uh, a, on average, a good tolerance towards exhaustion. So we can sustain exhaustion levels uh, for, for, for a period, as long as we also have engagement levels high, and we can talk about that as well. So exhaustion is one. But then we have something that also comes up a lot, which is self-inefficacy. So the perceived lack of efficacy of a person, right? So this is the one that I always have the the at, at the highest levels in my my personal case. Why? Because I'm one of the founders, and there's always a lot that you can do, right? So I I have this feeling uh, often that I'm I'm just stuck in the mouse wheel where I'm I'm running a lot, and I'm doing a lot of things, but I don't see the needle being moved as much as I wanted to. So what I need to do, and I create tactics on how I deal with this, and I'll share, I'll share that with you. But what I need to do is be aware that I have these self-inefficacy um, levels that are high so that I can take care of them. So exhaustion. Then you have self-inefficacy, which is the second one that's most prevalent within within the industry. And then we have two others, which, is, which are cynicism. And cynicism in, in this context means when you start creating distance between yourself and your tasks and your goals. It's the usual thing where you say, well, I'm going to do this, but no one cares. No one's going to look at this, right? This project is stupid. When you start seeing that type of thing in yourself or in your colleagues, that's cynicism. That's the actual name that we use for that. Um, and and that, that correlates really, really highly with burnout. And the fourth one is depersonalization, which is something very similar to cynicism, but relating to uh, interpersonal relationships. And so this is when you start Seeing people around you within the workplace, uh, seeing people around you as a drain on your energy and not an energy source. So when you start feeling like, oh my God, I have to talk to this client or I need to talk to this provider or this guy isn't paying us or this guy is trying to, you know, when you feel that towards folks outside of the company or within the company and you start feeling like, no, the P- this PM doesn't get it, uh, this designer doesn't get it. I'm the only one that's pushing for this, or our team is the only one that's pushing for this, and the rest of them are. When you start seeing that, that's depersonalization. So depersonalization and cynicism are the ones that correlate the highest with actual burnout. So when these two spike, you're probably closer to suffering from burnout. Again, we're not saying that if you have it, you're automatically under burnout, but it's 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 a a red flag. And usually these four factors, exhaustion, self-inefficacy, uh, cynicism and depersonalization translate into some observable um, consequences, such as when you start feeling um, socially um, uh, ill-equipped. So when you start feeling like you don't want to be with other people around you, when you start replying to people in a way that's not the the, the usual way that you reply to people, when you start being a little bit harsher colder towards people it happens when you start having sleep issues um you start losing your energy levels and uh, you start feeling and this can also if we're talking about um, specifics when you wake up in the morning are you are you are you um are you jumping out of bed to go to work or are you just regretting that it's still tuesday and and that's so long until it's saturday right so if that's the case you're probably uh starting to suffer from uh, if not burnout, at least you're losing uh, your work engagement. And, and burnout and work engagement have uh, an interesting relationship that we can talk about as well.
1: Yeah, so those four factors are really important because mm-hmm. it is those types of signals that you should look out for. The problem yes. though is that with, with those types of things, it's not quantitative. It's all qualitative. It's how you feel. It's how you what you notice. So it becomes very difficult for someone, especially yeah. if they're in the zone and they need to get stuff out. They're not focusing on what's around them or how they're interacting with people. They're so my, um, myopic and with tunnel vision that mm-hmm. they don't even notice this themselves. So I think to that point, it should be the responsibility for others outside seeing from outside going in to say, okay, you don't look like you're behaving normally, even mm-hmm. though you don't notice it. And sometimes that can be a bit cause a lot of tension because maybe when you're saying yeah. that to someone, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to uh, learn that there are that they are suffering from burnout. How do you approach that? If you're yeah. someone and you notice your friend and your coworker who you care a lot about being experiencing this type of things, what do you do? What are some ways that you can sort of um, approach them?
0: Yeah, so so that's actually um, I I, I'm a little bit afraid of 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 giving a a, 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 let's say a golden rule that can be applied to every situation. I think that we need to use our emotional intelligence here and and, and realize that if I'm talking to a family member or a friend, I can be much more direct and I can say, "Hey, man, you don't you don't you don't seem okay to me. So just just back up or or look at." I don't know. Maybe if I have access to a burnout index, maybe I'll share it with them and and that's going to be okay. Within the work um, environment, it might be different. It depends on the relationship that you have with the person. I do feel that there are levels of responsibility that are for the individual. So as an individual, I should learn how to take care of myself. And this is not saying that everyone is 100% responsible for their well-being. I'm not saying that. But we do have a responsibility to at least try and recognize what it is that we feel then i feel like leaders within teams and that's the unit where burnout really um can can be fostered or can be f- um fought it's within the teams right so within the teams is where most dynamics that contribute to burnout actually take place there are things that obviously the com- the company decides right so the company decides um what your benefits are the company decides um if, if you're going to feel proud to work for it or not, depending on on, on, on its values and its purpose and, and, and its market, etc. But that's it. The rest of the things actually take place on the team level. So, how are tasks distributed? Um, do you get feedback? Do you do you do you have a, a collaborative environment? Do you feel uh, innovative and creative? All of these things contribute, or um, or fight burnout, right? And all these take place at the team level. So, we need to empower team leaders. So that they first gain aware of themselves, but then are able to identify this within their teams. And then they can be smart about it, about it this and, and realize that maybe if I see that Barry is struggling a bit, and if I feel that Barry might be defensive, if I get approach Barry and say, hey, Barry, I think that you might be experiencing burnout because I'm seeing you and you don't feel like yourself, maybe he'll close up. So what I'll do is I'm not going to mention Barry and I'm going to say, hey, everyone, I, I found this awesome tool. Let's use it. And let's test all of our burnout and I can look at the results anonymously. You can respond with that and and we can talk about it and see if we can, if we need to take action and improve, right? So you need to work on that. And so we have to do this on the individual level, on the team level. And then obviously on the organizational level, you also need to be aware of what's happening within your company. And when you mentioned the the report that uh, when we first started uh, recording and, and in the report, we saw that 57% of those that are experiencing High risk of burnout, actually want to leave your company, right? So as an organization, you also need to take care of folks, even if it's not just because that's the the the, the correct thing to do. You need to do it because it's a business um, it's a business decision that you should take because it, it makes sense for you to care for your people. If if you don't, they're they're going to leave, right? And, and they're not not only if they experience burnout, you are going to lose all their productivity. Um, throughout burnout, and then when they when they they need to to repair and recover. But also, lots of these folks, you're never going to know that they are experiencing burnout, that they're feeling like they're too uh, strained because they're going to leave, right? So you're going to lose that talent. So I think that we need to work on this on these three levels: individual, team, and company level.
1: How did COVID impact the level of? Stress, exhaustion, and all the things that we discussed. Mm. Obviously, there was always been burnout. You know, this that it, there's always been that sort of level of um, stress and pressure in the environment. But when everyone was relegated to work from home, there's a lot of stuff that homes. Some people loved it. Some people didn't like yeah. it. Some people did, found that the difference between working at home. Blurred the lines because they didn't. When a, they wasn't, I guess they weren't able to separate work from non-work, and so they would work right in the morning all the way to in the evening and still be at that desk and and all that stuff. So, how did COVID impact um, people's feelings towards burnout? Okay, so I don't have
0: hard data because we started. Right when COVID was hitting. So I don't have a comparison to the previous period. To, I don't have a control that I can, that I can compare to. Um, but I have a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence as we all have in terms of how we experience and our folks around the experience and also what our users and, uh, and, and we've talked to thousands of people in the past three years, uh, what they've told us. So I feel like it's, it's, I feel like there's, there's two ways to look at this. One way is what we just mentioned where. The actual fact that we experienced a lot of hardship um, with, with the pandemic also meant that it was okay to talk about this. And I do feel that there's a lot of progress. And I think that we've, we've, uh, we've achieved a lot as, um, as a community of digital workers. I think we are all now much more um, available uh, to, 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 to give support to each other and to talk about these issues. I see that among my friends. I see that uh, with our users. Everyone's talking about this. On the other hand, it was really hard for a lot of people, and I'm very, very privileged in terms of having spaces in my my in my in my home where I can work and I can I can I can separate those from uh, my off hour um, hours work, and, and so I have that. I, I I don't have kids or anything like that, so I cannot see, say that I understand how a lot of our our listeners might have experienced um, COVID. It was a very stressful situation. But when we look at the data and we look at the results uh, from 2020 and 2021, we don't see a huge change from month to month. And even we try to compare different regions because we know that lockdowns obviously had a different impact in in, in Australia. Obviously, I think you guys would uh, probably Australia was the the place with the the hardest lockdown apart from, from China. And. So and Argentina, I think, was the second. Uh, so we have a lot of lot of folks from everywhere, and we try to look at that. And actually, that's not that marked the difference. Uh, we don't see that. So what I feel is that COVID was um, in, in many respects um, uh, an accelerator of trends, and I think it it, it everyone uh, a lot of people suffered through through Bernard, and I think that there, there are some things through COVID that there are some things that I haven't yet resolved in myself. From from the period that I was in in Colombia, uh, I was almost six months locked in my home as well, so that that was that was tough Um with my family being elsewhere. So that's that's not easy. But we don't see that as much on the burnout risk factors. Where we see it, and this is interesting, is in some of the mental stressors and cognitive stressors that we also measure within our tool, not the the free tool, but the actual full-fledged Yerbo tool that we had at one point. And so within the main stressors, we saw work life impact, for instance, uh go way, way down. So we actually uh, so the, the 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 quality of results go down. So actually it it's 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 worse. The way the way the work life impact is impacting you, it can be more of a synergy type of impact that's positive, or it can be more of a conflict type. And it skewed towards conflict very, very heavily um throughout burnout, but we haven't seen it come back up since then. So that's something that's concerning. Uh, but I do feel that there are lots of, uh, and, and, and this maybe is a good segue towards one thing, which is that we were comparing 2022 and 2021 uh, numbers. And we saw, for instance, that satisfaction, one of the resources that you use to fight burnout is the tools that, that you have, right? So when we first went home to work from home, many of us didn't have a proper chair. We didn't have microphones, we didn't have, I don't know, a laptop stand, whatever it is, right? And we started acquiring that. So the satisfaction with tools and resources from 2021 to 2022 went way up. So it was like the 12th resource that was um, highest ranked, and now it's the third in 2022. So those things we did take care of. And if you think about it from the company perspective, that's the easy things that you can do, right? You can send someone money or send them a new chair or, or something like that so tools and resources was a service, was a resource um a job resource that that went up uh, significantly okay so um what we saw that didn't actually uh go up too much were things like uh time management or um team coordination or collaboration those things remained stationary and remained at a low level and those are actually the ones that have the highest correlation with work engagement, which is a, a way of fighting burnout. So there was a lot there. So I'll take a pause here, in Barry, and and, uh, and and tell me if you want me to go deeper in any of the things that I just mentioned.
1: So for the studies that you executed, I mean, there are a lot of tidbits in that because, right, there is definitely okay. The COVID part definitely impacted that, but mm-hmm. then you noticed that there were still some people who were um, trying to really move the, I guess for them, f- understand the balance between what they needed to do because it did hurt a lot of people. They didn't, they weren't allowed to go outside. And so they were kind of relegated um, mm-hmm. indoors and really had nothing to do. Right? They couldn't uh, go for a walk or go to the park. And so they were just like, okay, I, the only thing I can do and be productive about is probably work. But then that becomes a double-edged sword because, well, now I need to work. How do I then release myself from work when I need to, to uh, address my family, my, my kids and whatever? So how do you, you know, what were some of the things that people did mm. in the household that allowed them to detach themselves from that type of uh, stressors?
0: Um, yeah, great question. So there were a lot of different tactics that folks used. One thing that we realized, and I'm going to give you another, another, um, another number from our, actually, I don't have the number in front of me, but one thing that we saw from, from work life impact uh, studies was that if you had two kids or more, your, your work life was really, really impacted. So negatively. So you had a lot of conflict. And this was particularly so for those that identify as female as compared to men. And so this probably has to do with, with traditional gender roles um, at home. So we saw that. So that's clearly something that that, that was impactful. So what we saw that folks did that, that was positive in terms of um, making sure that they could cope with being stuck at home and, and not having ability to recover, etc., cetera, was um, setting boundaries. That's, that's the main thing. Going to uh, calendar hygiene. So making sure that you don't have a lot of different, uh, a lot of um, meetings back to back and you create some spaces for you to relax. Um, a lot of folks needed because we do need, we are social beings, so we need social interaction. And this is very, very hard for you to replace. I experienced that because I was for six months locked up at, a, at a, an apartment in, in, in Bogota. And, and we strive to, to, to be with other people. We want to be with other people and, and we want to. So that's something that was really hard for folks to replicate. But as soon as, um, as, uh, we, we got out of, of burnout, what, of, um, COVID, sorry, we, what we started seeing is that folks created moments in their day to day and, and even blocking in their calendars for moments for sports, moments for being with other people outside work. And, and, and it, it sounds silly because it's so obvious that we should do that. Uh, but a lot of times we don't. And actually when you talk to, uh, entrepreneurs founders etc and, and and leaders in, within startups that's very very common where these folks have access to all of the information that they need they know that it's important for for to, to remain active they know that it's important to take to to actually have their meals and and stop and 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 think about other things they know that they need to read things outside their their work related uh, themes because that's the only way that you're going to be creative that you're going to have uh, so we all know these things, but then when, 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 when it's day to day, you're just focused on hitting those goals and making things happen, et cetera. So it takes a lot of resilience and it takes a lot of, um, of organization for you to do that. You need to. So we saw that folks that cope the best with, uh, with uh, the pandemic and, and are coping the best with, with these, uh, strains of, of, um, being high achievers and, and, and working hard. Are those that were able to actually create spaces for emotional, social and cognitive uh, recovery. Those that are working in the same place that they are playing. So, and this happens a lot with tech teams, uh, where you're sitting at, at your, um, at your, um, let's say home office and that's where you're staying for 10 hours and, and you're coding. Uh, and then when, when it's the off time, you stay at the same place and you just are now um engaging I don't know in strategy games video games or something like that you're using the same type of cognitive skills you're at the same place so you're telling your brain that it's not yet time for you to relax so what what it means is that you're if you think of this as a muscle it's like you're always tense and you never relax the muscle right so that is bound to to give you uh, pain and, and lactic acid acid and all that in, in, in the brain and anal- now in the m- muscle analogy. So you need to, to realize that, that we, we, are, and our brains are like that as well. We need to relax. We need to listen to music. We need to, to talk to folks. We need to do different things.
1: There a, um, an insight that you gain from, because you mentioned women versus yeah. men, uh, I mean, uh, like the comparison between the two, obviously mm-hmm. there is that Traditional sense that okay, well, maybe like how do how did how was the what was the differences that you found between the burnt burnout index or the burnout uh, insights that you gained from between uh, males and females? Did they deal with it differently? Were there was one gender more susceptible to burnout than the other? Um, what were some of the fi- findings that you got from that?
0: Yeah, so actually, in in overall terms, in average terms, there's not a lot of difference. Uh, It's very similar. Those that identify as female and those that identify as male are around the 40% mark in terms of high risk of burnout. So you don't see a lot of difference there. But when you start drilling down, you see that there are specific factors. So when you think of exhaustion, we actually measure different things within exhaustion. One of the things that we measure is how run down you feel at the end of the day right so how exhausted are you physically emotionally cognitive at the end of the day if you look at that there's a huge difference between men and women um, and so women are 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 69 are i believe run down at the end of the day versus 50 something for for men so that's a huge difference um, and and it probably has to do with the fact that um traditional gender roles mean that women have to um work harder in the home uh, after work. And so that's why they are, they are finding it harder to actually recover so that next day they can um, deal with the tensions of work. And so that's probably why we're seeing that difference. Now, in terms of cynicism, depersonalization, in terms of um, wanting to leave the company, all of those levels were very similar. We also saw the other difference was um, amongst those that have direct reports, so those that are a leader of a team, women have higher risk of burnout than men. And that, that again, might have to do with the fact that they are not, not only, they're juggling multiple hats and they're doing, the, some of them are, are doing extra work at home. And also it might have to do, we don't have data, but but we can speculate it might have to do with also the the, the, the difficulties that are imposed on women on, on the workplace when they are perceived as leaders, because we know that from anecdotal evidence and, and from other academic research, that it's tougher for women to uh, assume those those positions uh, b- because of the way that society and organizations sometimes um, respond to, to 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 women in leadership positions. So that's not as big a difference as um, feeling exhausted at the at the end of the day. That's the biggest difference that we saw between uh, men and women.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think that that question I wanted to ask is because there is that sentiment that uh, look you know, you know the traditional generals. Uh, There, but I think that as more men become aware of the situation, Mm -hmm. that there needs to be a finer balance struck between the responsibilities inside the home, and so obviously this depends on geography as well, where you work in in the world. You know, there's a lot of social inequity there. There's a lot of social stigma associated with that. So I think whether you'd be in a Western country or a non-Western country, you know, the the climb to up the ladder is going to be somewhat, you know, unfortunately a bit different between men and, and women and women. And mm-hmm. once a woman are able, is able to attain that position, then they have to keep it, but then they also have to juggle all the other responsibilities um, of their family, of themselves, of their relationships um, outside of work as well. And again, it's not quantitative, but it is qualitative that feeds back into why people are suffering that type of burnout and sort of to deal with that as well. So maybe that sort of circles all the way back to what, you know, you can do and what the yeah. organizational person, uh, what, can, what people at the organizational level can do to, to deal with that. And you mentioned there's a lot of programs. There's the burnout index assessments that you can mm-hmm. create, but there's a story that there's a little, um, you know, I have a few friends that are working in high-stressed environments at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we had a dinner the other day, and for, for me, I didn't say anything, but I noticed that there was something off about him. So for me, I it wasn't my place to tell him what to do or tell him how to feel, but I knew something was up. So for me, I wanted to sort of reach out. I haven't reached out yet, but I would like to but i want to sort of approach it in the best way that i can but there's also another aspect of that which is therapy and so therapy is something that is can, can be extremely beneficial for a lot of people but sometimes there's that stigma that look if i go to therapy it shows that i'm weak or it shows that i don't need to someone to tell me how to feel or someone to guide me you know what's your thoughts and what have you found about people seeing therapists mm. when they are suffering from this type of burnout?
0: Yeah. So I, I totally agree with what you said. It might be very, very helpful. It is very, very helpful for a lot of people. It has helped me, um, for some time now. Uh, and, and, I do believe that, um, talking to a professional at some point in our lives, we all should try it. I think that, uh, it doesn't mean that it will work for everyone, but I do think that that stigma we need to we need to just end it and and, and the, the best way to do it is um, to actually uh, talk about it. I, I, I went back to Portugal. I'm from Portugal originally. I, I went back to Portugal last uh, summer and um, I was really vocal about the fact that I was seeing a therapist. I, I was really vocal about it and it was intentional. I just wanted to and and, and sometimes I, I got some of my friends reached out to me afterwards. Um, after some of the moments that I that I talked about it, um, I wasn't being totally gratuitous about this. I, it meant it made sense within the the situation that we what we were discussing. But someone approached me. A couple of people approached me at different moments and, and told me, "Hey, I was I really thought that it was brave that you mentioned that. I've been thinking about it." So I think that we all can have impact in our small sphere by by talking about this, and and sometimes if we don't want the other person, because I, I, I mentioned this because at some points I, I realized that someone wasn't looking too good. And um, and so I decided to just open up and say, hey, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist. I'm not saying that you should see a therapist. I'm not going to do that because I know that this person in particular would close up if I said that. So I just put it out there. And then that person um, approached me and, and, and told me that they were thinking about it and how did I find my therapist? And we got to talking about that. And, and, and I believe she she then, um uh, try to, to, to find someone and found someone to, to help her. So I think that we have that responsibility again within our spheres of influence, our friends, our family to break that stigma and to just talk about these things. And if it makes sense for you to, to see a therapist, please do because it might be very, very helpful. For some people, it's yoga. For other people, it's, it's going to the gym or exercising. You, you need to find what is your recipe that works for you. Right, and this is ever changing. You 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 continuously need to be on the lookout, even when you feel like, okay, I've solved this. No, you haven't. You haven't solved it. You need to keep building uh, good habits so that you can be um, healthy. And that's that's basically what we do. The same thing we do for our bodies, we need to do for our minds. So that's basically it. We need to just realize that I don't know when someone breaks their leg, we, we don't. There's there's no stigma attached to that, right? You just broke your leg. So if someone needs uh, help, uh, for mental health, it needs to be the same thing. It's the same thing. You just need a cast in your mental health, whatever, right? So not the best analogy, but that, that's the idea. We need to make it make it so. We need to make it as as um, normal and as, as, as taking care of any other aspect of your health.
1: Yeah. I think there's obviously that stigma around it. And the other thing is that therapy doesn't necessarily have to be going and seeing someone. You know, there are Different types of therapy. There's self therapy, there's meditation, mm-hmm. yoga, exercise. You mentioned it. And for me, I haven't seen a therapist, but my therapy is going out. It's going for a run, taking the bike out, and really trying to exert myself, but just take my mind off things as well. Because you feel, for me, I feel amazing after a workout. I feel great to know that I have been able to get fit. But also be able to see that from a mental perspective, it's, like I, it's more of a release than anything else. And then once I sort of get away from the computer, get away from the chair, and then do something completely different and have that context switch, I think that becomes extremely um, valuable for anyone. So, again, you know, therapy, many, many different ways to do it. And I think that you just need to be consistent and be able to figure out what's your release mechanism. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, uh, you know, really, really beneficial for you. What, what's your sort of type of therapy outside of seeing a therapist? How do you sort of get away from all the stuff?
0: Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, there's, there's quite a few things. So one is I, I run, uh, I go and I, I try and go for a jog at least three times a week. It's been tougher. I have. Ruptured my 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 tendon uh, right on uh, during the pandemic. That was the only thing that I was allowed to do. So uh. I just did it too much, and <laughs> and so. Uh, but I do that a lot. I, I I love to go out and and and, and run, particularly in Bogotá. It's uh, it's lovely to do that on Sundays because there's no traffic on avenues, so you can just uh, go across across the city, and and it's just amazing. I love to do that. Um, the other thing that I do a lot is I read a lot, a lot of fiction. Uh, I, 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 that's something that for me, it's just grabbing a huge book and, and, and just sitting down for, for a couple of hours and, and just um, going into a different um, situation. I think that that just um, uh, starts different parts of my brain, right? So I, I, I love that. I feel engaged when I do it. And I feel with both things, both reading and exercising, I feel that I've done something for, for me. Just for me, right? Uh, and so that's that. That translates into a feeling of uh, well-being, and 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 that that's really good. Um. So that's that's basically my 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 combo. I do some other things, but I think those two are the main, the, the most important ones. Um. But I would like to go back to the the work environment, if, if if I may, Barry, just to to mention, because obviously these are things that you can do and you should do and try and take care of yourself. That's going to help you immensely throughout your life, right? But going back to the work even if you take care of yourself even if you exercise you eat healthy you make sure that you have a good sleep routine and all that so you're trying to, to do as much as you can. But then if you go into the workplace um, virtual or, 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 or physical workplace and it's a hostile workplace then all of that is going to help you but it's not going to be enough. So I think that it's important that we realize um, there's a, there's a, a lot of research that talks about demands and resources. So in the workplace, you have certain demands, right? You need to accomplish this. You have this goal, you have this project, whatever, right? So there's a lot of demands on you, but at the same time, you have resources. And these resources are basically of four types. You have company resources that we talked about, like how much do they pay you? Is that enough for you to, to have the life that you want to have? Are there any perks outside of um, of the, the, let's say the, the salary itself? How... how how proud are you of working for that company? How valued do you feel by the company, right? So those are the company types. But then you have um, uh, the, the leadership type of, um, of resources. And those have to do with the quality of, of the feedback that you get, right? Um, how, what's the job clarity that you have? Do you know what's expected of you? Do you know what your role uh, should, should be um, delivering? Because a lot of times these two in particular, the quality of feedback, uh, feedback quality and role clarity are the two that uh, have the highest correlation with high burnout from, from all of the resources. And and these two are actually something that you, as a leader, if you're listening to this and you're a leader, is something that you can actually impact, right? So you have those that are for, for the leader. Then you have task roles, right? So those are the ones that have to do with direct tasks. Are you feeling challenged by the tasks that you have? If you are, you're probably going to be able to sustain more demands. When you feel like when you're in that sweet spot where what you're doing is not repetitive and you feel challenged and you feel like, oh, can I do this? You actually get a rush of adrenaline and you kind of want to do it, right? It's like when you're playing a game and it's like this next level, is a bit harder than the, the than the one before. And so you feel like you can do it. When it's just super crazy hard, you just, you're just going to, you, you're not going to get it, right? So you lock yourself and you just say, hey, I'm not going to get this. That's where cynicism starts creeping in. But also when you are on the other extreme where it's everything is so easy, it's just copy and pasting, you just feel like you're not being uh, valued. And so you start feeling bored and that can also lead to burnout. So you, you don't get to burnout only by working really, really hard. You can actually be bored out your way towards burnout. So that's actually something that can happen because you start, um, losing, um, you start losing the ties with the company, with the folks around you, et cetera, because you're just so bored that you don't give a damn about anything. And that just... Gets you into that um, bad uh, mental place. So you have this, uh, and, and then you have also team type of resources. So if the team is collaborative, if the team is 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 has good processes, if you feel energized by working with other people, that's going to give you more resources to face demands. So you actually have this. So these resources are actually the the, the uh, ingredients that that within organizations we can play around with, and we can try and impact lives of ourselves, but also. Um, of our leaders. So if I'm a leader, I should be aware that I need to give good feedback to my people. So, uh, that's something that I can, I can, I can own as a leader. I can also make sure that folks know what's expected of their role. So that's something that I can own as a a leader and I can have a a direct impact. As an individual, I can make sure that I actually, when I go into a one-on-one with a leader, I actually go prepared because a lot of times we just, we're just on, on that. That, that weekly motion, and we, we now have the one-on-one. So we should just go there. No, we should prepare. And so if we feel like we're not being challenged by our tasks, we should talk about it. If we feel like the processes that we're using are not are not too beneficial, then we should raise our voice. If we feel like we're not being creative enough, we should talk about that. We we should bring those things um, into view because that's what's going to help the leader um do a better job of distributing tasks, of making sure that everyone knows what's expected of them and, and making sure that things work. So, yeah, take care of ourselves on our personal side, exercise, eat well, get your social energy as well. So see folks, talk to people, etc. and your family and friends. But also within the organization, we need to make sure that these things are known and that these things are being consciously um, uh, uh, worked. So you need to work on these four levels team, task, um, leadership, and, and organizational resources.
1: Are there any long-term effects of not addressing this anytime soon? If if someone is sort of going through this mm. and it's not being addressed at all and they continue to grind day in and day out and they know they're suffering, they know that mm-hmm. they're really, but they're not doing anything about it. Has there been research that shows that this could have a very long lasting impact on their lives, not just socially, but mentally and physically down the road?
0: Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, um, people that are diagnosed with with burnout have um, a great correlation with also depression and also physical ailments. So there's, there's a lot of research showing that burnout can lead to heart problems um, it, it can lead also to, um, coping mechanisms starting in like, like bad eating and, and eating badly and, and, and not exercising and stuff like that. That comes also, uh, with depression. So being burnout isn't necessarily depression, but it comes with a lot of the same symptoms. And a lot of times they, 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 they also come together. So when you hit burnout, it's, it's again, it's not something that you recover from with a couple of weeks off. It's something that has long lasting effect that can take months or years for you to come back, for you to, to, to be the same person that you were in terms of, uh, your eagerness to work, your eagerness to overachieve, th- th- having the same levels of energy. That's really tough to come back to. And sometimes you can't because you're actually suffering physically from, um, from the, the, the blast of, of burnout that, that, that you faced. So, so yeah, it's something that we need. It's like. Almost all things mental health, um, it's way, way cheaper and easier to prevent it than it is to treat it and to recover from it. So um, awareness is is key.
1: So we'll wrap it up here. And I think it's going to be interesting just to tail off into Yerbo because I think I want to learn a bit Mm. about the next steps for Yerbo. But if I'm someone listening to this right now and I am going through a, a period In my career, in my life, where I am, you know, under stress, I am a lot of under pressure for many, many reasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if I'm starting to notice at least being self aware, number one, um, what should I do to at least put me in, move me in the right direction? Um, And I think we can summarize all the things we mentioned in the conversation. But just to sort of wrap everything up, if I'm going through that type of feeling right now, um, what should I do? What are the next steps I should do?
0: Yeah, so I would say that self-awareness is key, so I would say go to burnoutindex.org org and uh, take the the assessment. That should give you uh, an idea of uh, what items, what factors are contributing to your um uh, current state. And if you see that you're you're facing a high risk of burnout, it might make a lot of sense for you to talk to a professional. So I would say that if you're facing a high risk of burnout, if you're feeling overwhelmed, definitely reach out, talk to a professional. There's a lot of services um, that you can reach these days. Uh, there's a lot of online uh, services as well. You can talk to a therapist or as Barry mentioned and I mentioned before, you can try and figure out other ways for you to, to um, recover. So I would say that first, gain uh, self-awareness. Once you do, and I, I recommend Burnout Index, but you can find others, but BurnoutIndex.org would be a great place to, for you to start. Once you take that, you can actually take some other assessments if you want to actually understand what's driving those factors. I can actually share with you, and maybe you can include those on on, on the episode notes. Um, so work-life impact is a way of, of, for you to understand um, if maybe your work is impacting on your life or maybe your life is impacting on your work. That happens as well. If you're getting divorced, probably that's going to impact your work. That's, it's, that's obviously a stressful situation. So you can you can take some other assessments uh, like main stressors, identifying what it is that's contributing to the, the factors of burnout. I think that can be something that can help you immensely. And And then there's a lot of folks that are actually doing really good work in terms of, uh, coaching people out of burnout and coaching high performers so that they can have high productivity without burnout. So, uh, and that maybe uh, it, it's a good, it's a good, uh, a good point for, for, uh, that's a good segue for us to talk about what Yerbo is now and how we've uh, changed our, our, our offering and how we're helping folks connect not only with wellbeing methods, but management methods and, and, and work methods so that Everyone can can improve um, as a, a a worker and 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 stay healthy and productive.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that those are great steps. And again, if you're listening to this and you feel like uh, you are experiencing any of those symptoms, just please you know be self aware and and take some sort of small action at the very least <laughs> and to sort of get that momentum going, uh, because you know sooner or later will definitely impact. More than just your career. Um, and you'll have, you know, more trickle down effects to, to the rest of your life. So definitely encourage everyone to, to be more aware of their doing. And that's not to say that you should not stop working hard. You know, definitely if you feel. You are passionate and you enjoy the role, um, continue to go full steam ahead, but at the same time have, have that balance and, and make sure that you are taking care of yourself and the people around you, uh, because they care about you as well. Uh, with Yobo now, I think mm-hmm. that is you know, Yobo did a such great job capturing um all of those insights into burnout and you've done a huge contribution to society to to really uh, distill exactly what those numbers are from all the, from the things that I mentioned at the beginning, but yeah. also just bringing awareness to uh, burnout is important. But at the same time, there's more than just burnout. There's a lot of other aspects of running an organization and that's what sort of Yobo is sort of going into now. What, what are some of the uh, verticals and areas that YOBO is really targeting now uh, with your offering uh, uh,
0: thanks thanks for asking that and given giving us a, a chance to 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 explain what it is that we do so we started off with with burnout we were trying just to focus on on burnout burnout prevention raising awareness around burnout and then we tried to create um, a methodology for you to combat burnout um, at the team level right and and we got a lot of, a lot of attention, hundreds of thousands of users. We had dozens of paying corporations using us. But then we realized, and, and, and because our, our users were actually telling us, Hey, I would love to have Yerbos infrastructure. So your Slack notifications, your calendar integration, your Gmail integration, all that. But I want to use that for other methods that I'm using because I actually am seeing a coach and uh, I would like to have everything centralized in one place. And then we realized that. There were teams that were working in terms of I don't know maybe they were implementing innovation uh, methods or agileism or something like that, and they were also having uh, outsiders, uh, coaches, consultants coming in, and each one of them has their own email uh, that they need to whitelist. Uh, they all, some of them have their own uh, Slack pod, etc. And so we realized that. Maybe we shouldn't be the, be the one too many. So we shouldn't be the ones, Yerbo, driving the methodology and and reaching a lot of people, but we should be the connectors between knowledge. So all of these great people doing great work in terms of research and creating books and methods around management and how to work well in our, in our current situation. All of these folks that are creating a lot of good content are having a lot of trouble to actually reach the digital worker. And so what we're doing now is we're actually empowering consultants, coaches, and authors to actually create assessments such as the burnout index that have immediate results once you complete the assessment. And so you can have insights immediately. It's not just a survey where you just get a pat on the back and thank you for taking the survey, we really value your time. But you get immediate insights and you get recommendations of actions that you can take based on the results. So we have lots of folks. So, for instance, Medicine Forward, which is an association that's focusing on fighting burnout within healthcare workers, they have created their own version of burnout index within Yerbo's infrastructure, on top of Yerbo's infrastructure. And what they do is that when you complete the assessment um, on their website, you get taken to uh, immediately to a result page that has their recommendations. There are recommendations built by Medicine Forward for their specific audience, which is medical doctors. So they are actually giving them tips on how to fight their specific results based on the methodology that they use. So we have lots of authors and coaches creating their own tools for transformational leadership, positive leadership, lots of them also on a mental well-being. But so what we're trying to do is this, we're going to close the gap between knowledge and digital workers, starting with assessments, but there's a lot of things coming.
1: So that's really good. Yeah. I think now that you have developed that infrastructure, initially starting off with the burnout index, you can then extrapolate that out to something a bit more versatile and then where a lot of other companies can come in because I, I get it because there's not every company is not the same. You know, everyone has their own way of operating, their own types of, um, uh, sort of environments that they work in, and mm-hmm. the symptoms might be different as well. And it, it may not just be burnout, but it could be well-being. Yeah. It could be um, how do you are you appreciated in the environment uh, in in your workplace? Uh, you know, what's the balance uh, between you know work life and and home life? And and I think those um, areas is where the company knows best. It's not necessarily your bow, but you're the one who's providing that conduit between the organization and also its employees, and then hopefully leveraging and then building layer upon layer on top of uh, yourbo. So I think that's great. It's It sounds good. I, I'm really excited about where this is going to go. And I think I want to thank you as well for starting to work with Yorbo, building Yorbo, uh from the beginning and choosing burnout as one of those primary metrics to measure and get insight on because it's going to be more and more, um, you know, all of that's going to be brought to the forefront and it's going to be much more important uh, to sort of uh, see exactly where this goes, especially with uh, technology moving at such a fast pace and companies uh, being built every day. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to to compete and to, to do well. Um, so that's going to really, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, but I think once people acknowledge that they are uh, and self-aware that they are suffering from these types of symptoms i think it's going to make the world a little bit a bit a better place but at the same time um help propel um sort of the movement for um you know working hard but also you know having that nice balance as well and 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 living better lives uh where can people find you you know I pu- i'll i put all the show notes information on your bio and and you below um but if they want to reach out uh do they just reach out on on twitter or linkedin
0: yeah, so LinkedIn would be the best way. Uh, I back in January, I did Dry January, and I included social media, all personal social media there. So I haven't been back uh, actively to Instagram or, or, or Twitter, etc. Obviously, LinkedIn, I, I'm still active on because obviously that's a that's the, the the work social media that I use. So on LinkedIn, I think it would be ideal for you to reach me. And thank you so much for doing that, Barry. For for for. For that um, closing remarks, but also for having me and and, and raising awareness uh, around burnout, we we are no longer, let's say, in the in the with with a business around burnout, but we are very much um, still passionate about fighting it, and and we'll keep all our free tools open for everyone to to use. So that and we don't ask for email again. There's there's no lead generation form. There's nothing like that. We just want you to take care of yourself. And if we do uh, our contribution, our small contribution, I, I will sleep better tonight. So that's that's basically what we're trying to do.
1: Thanks, Francisco. really appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll speak soon.
0: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. If you like this episode, be sure to check out more by subscribing to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.